Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for today. Thank you, Father, for the privilege to share your word. Thank you for the privilege to have fellowship by this means. We pray in Jesus' name that your word will have a place in our lives. Holy Spirit, you are invited. We ask that you will teach us, give us revelation, give us understanding of who you are and your role in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning I'm talking about the Holy Spirit and this is part one of the series that we're going to have, we're going to be dealing with in a couple of weeks. Um, I mean in the weeks to come. Um, so we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Today is just going to be an introduction and um, we will go deeper as we, um, as, as we move on. So today I'm going to focus on the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, but that's the, the main theme is the Holy Spirit, and the focus would be the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And um, today is just an introduction of the series that we're going to be having on the Holy Spirit. So, um, I'm reading from John chapter 16, verse 5. Second, right. So John chapter 16, verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. <coughs> Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. So Jesus Christ actually taught his disciples that the coming of the Holy Spirit is better. It's to their advantage. It's to their benefit. He said that the Holy Spirit replacing him here on earth was far better, was, far, was to the advantage of the believers. And so in verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart... I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father. And you will see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However... Look at the pronouns that Jesus Christ used to describe the Holy Spirit. He says, however, verse 13, when the Spirit, when He, the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. So the Holy Spirit hears and He speaks. And He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for He will take off what is mine and declare to you all things that the father has are mine therefore i said that he will take of mine and declare to you um, this scripture we are going to focus on it as we talk about the holy spirit in the, in the weeks to come we are going to talk more on this scripture but um, let's just move on as an introduction today. I'll come back to it. But one thing that we see is Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, when he's describing the Holy Spirit, he used the pronoun he, he will guide you. He, he will speak to you. 
he will not speak of his own authority, but he will hear and then he will speak. And so the Holy Spirit speaks to us. So those of us who have the presence of the Holy Spirit, he is always speaking to us. So if we cannot hear the Holy Spirit of, or if we do not hear the Holy Spirit, it is not because he does not speak. It is not be, it's not because he has he doesn't have the ability to speak. God has Jesus Christ has fulfilled his part of the bargain. He said, I will ask the Father, and the Father will send the Holy Spirit. The Father fulfilled his side of the bargain. He sent the Holy Spirit, as we saw in the book of Acts, chapter 2. So the Holy Spirit is here with us. We believe that those of us who are Christians, we have the Holy Spirit. And so if we don't hear the Holy Spirit, or if we cannot hear him speak, it is not God. It is not the Father. It is it is not Jesus Christ, but it means there's something that we need to know that we don't know. There's something that we need to do that we, we are not doing. And I'm not putting blame on us, but it is on it's our responsibility to uncover why we are not hearing. It is our responsibility to uncover why we are not able to sense the leading or to identify the leading or to hear the voice of our, the Holy Spirit. And God has made it possible for us to uncover that through his word and, and even with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so we all have a tax. We all have a responsibility to go into that place, to identify that place where we can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, most of us don't usually make time to say, okay, and uh, it looks like I'm going ahead of myself because this is the part that, the, um, the closing part that I want to touch on. But... Most of us don't have time to really have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You don't set time aside and say, this is the time that I communicate with the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to initiate a communication with the Holy Spirit. Throughout our Christian life, most of us don't even do this thing. We don't practice time with the Holy Spirit. Because if the Holy Spirit speaks, if he hears, then, and if he is with us, then we need to have fellowship with him. I'll come back to this text, but let's move on for now. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, the Bible says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us. Now in Genesis, when you pay attention to Genesis and the book of John, you identify that the Trinity existed in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 to 2, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. And so we know from Genesis chapter 1 that there is a Spirit of God who is moving on the face of the water. And there is God. Now, in the, when the Bible says, in the beginning, God, the word God used there is Elohim. Elohim is like a plural form. It, talk, it says that in, in, in the Hebrew, it is like saying gods. So, in the beginning, Elohim which, which is the plural form, says, In the beginning, God created heavens, and the earth was without form, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering upon the face of the water. 
So right from the, the beginning, we are made aware that there is the Spirit of God that was hovering upon the face of the water. When you read John chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And look at the pronoun it uses in verse 2. It says, He was in the referring to the word now it uses the pronoun he was in the beginning which means that the word of god was also present in the beginning the word of god which was god was present in the beginning and when you read john chapter 1 verse 14 again the bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us referring to jesus christ john says and we beheld his glory so in the first sentence he uses Word. He says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now the pronoun he uses for the word again is his. We beheld his glory. And so the word became flesh and we beheld his glory. And so when you combine the first book of the Bible and the first, sorry, and, and John chapter 1, you identify that the Trinity were all there in the beginning. We saw God, Elohim, creating the world creating the heavens and the earth. And we saw his spirit move upon the face of the, the water. And in John chapter 1, the Bible tells us the word which became flesh, which is Jesus Christ, was also present in the beginning. And so we see the Trinity God displayed from the beginning. Now, right from the Old Testament, the first thing we see is God the Father dealing with people coming to Abraham, dealing with all the people in the Old Testament. And then when the dispensation changed and we came to the New Testament, we saw Jesus Christ in the Gospels, preaching everywhere, communicating to the people, healing and doing also all the things that God wanted to be done on earth. Now, after Jesus Christ left, he said the Spirit was going to come. And the Spirit, he told the disciples that it was better. It is to your advantage that I will go and the Spirit will come. And so the Father, we saw the Father playing his role. Or we saw the dispensation of the Father. But to make it clear, when one dispensation, when you, you experience one dispensation, it does not mean that other Godheads are not doing anything. Because we know that they are three in one and they work together. They work in an agreement. And so even in the, in the Old Testament where the emphasis was always on God the Father, on Elohim, we still see the workings of the Spirit. We still see epiphanies or the appearance of Christ in some form in the Old Testament. We see the workings of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And so the three Godhead work together in agreement. Now, when you come to the New Testament and the Gospels, where you see Jesus Christ preaching and healing and, and ministering to the people, you still see the workings of the Holy Spirit. You still see the presence of the Father speaking some, for instance, and in, in, when he, he went to the Mount of Transfiguration, we had the voice of the Father saying, this is my beloved son. And so the three of them work in agreement in every dispensation. Now, when Jesus Christ left, he said, it is to your advantage that I go, because if I don't go, the, the spirit will not come. Now, when Jesus was on earth, he was confined to one location. At a time, 
he ministered at one location at a time. But he said, it is to your advantage that I go. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit has the ability to minister at several locations at the same time. He can be, he can be at every place at the same time, ministering and doing the will of God. And so Jesus said, it's better for you that I come. So Jesus Christ launched us or introduced us to the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. And so the scripture that we read here said, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. I will touch on it when we, we are about to um, wrap up. I try, I'll try as much as possible, like I said, to, to be slow with this one. Now, the Holy Spirit is a person. From all the pronouns that we see being used in Scripture, unfortunately, one Scripture uses the pronoun it for the Holy Spirit. But when Jesus Christ was talking about, which is not an accurate translation, but when Jesus Christ was talking about the Holy Spirit, he used the pronoun he. And to, he, he pointed to us that the Holy Spirit is a being. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a being. He has a will. And so when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, the Bible says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gift of healings by the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles to another prophecy, to another descending of spirit, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one as he wills. So the Holy Spirit has a will. And so when you look at the scriptures that, that talks about the Holy Spirit, you identify that the Holy Spirit is a person. He has a will. The Holy Spirit has emotions. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, the Bible says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And I chose the Amplified Version. Do not offend or vex or sadden him by whom you were sealed, marked, branded as God's own, secured for the day of redemption. So the Holy Spirit can be saddened. When you grieve the Holy, the Holy Spirit has emotions and can be grieved. So the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a force. Most of the times when people talk about, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, they are talking about feelings and goosebumps. Or when they say, that's, a, that's the Holy Spirit moving, then people are falling down or people are rolling on the floor or something is happening. A spectacular scene is happening. And so most People think that the Holy Spirit is just a force or is some sort of wind. The Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit reveals His presence in so many forms, and that one of that could is wind, like we saw in the Old Testament. Another one is fire, but that does not mean that the Holy Spirit is fire. That does not mean that the Holy Spirit is a wind. He can reveal His presence through this means, through this object. But it does not mean that is who He is. The Holy Spirit is a person. And we'll touch on this as we, we continue to deal with this, um, the, 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 the topic of the Holy Spirit. So he, has, he is a person, He has a will, and He has emotions. And He was there from the beginning. 
We saw the Spirit of God moving upon the face of the water. Even in, Jesus, in the introduction of Jesus Christ, he says the Holy Spirit speaks. And he's a, because he's a person, he can speak. And so those of us who have the presence of the Holy Spirit, if we are not hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, if he's not speaking with us, there's something we have to uncover. There's something we have to identify. There's something we have to understand. Because the Holy Spirit speaks. And he does not speak to a few people. He speaks to every one of us who is a child of God, who has the presence of the Holy Spirit. He speaks to every one of us. But we have to sometimes initiate the conversation with the Holy Spirit. We need to make time to initiate that conversation. And we'll talk about that before we close. So in John chapter 14, verse 7, the Bible says, Nevertheless, I tell you, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I depart, I will send him. At the time that Jesus Christ was telling this, the disciples, this, this, um, was giving this message to the disciples, the Jewish people didn't like them because the Jewish people felt that they were introducing another, another, um, religion or another form of worship contrary to what they had known from the law. And at that time, even though Israel, at that time, Israel was under, um, the leadership of the Roman Empire or the Roman um, were, were under the Roman leadership. And the Roman people also didn't like the disciples. So for Jesus Christ to finally tell these guys that I am leaving, because with him, when, he's, when he was present with them, they were comforted. Even though the Jewish people don't like them, the Roman people don't like them, they were walking with the most powerful man that they had ever known. So with the presence of Jesus Christ, they had peace and they were comforted. They were not afraid because they had in their minds some sort of superman, super being with them. So they had no cause to be afraid. They have seen him walk on water. They have seen him perform miracles, fed a lot of people with a few loaves. And so as long as Jesus was there with them, the disciples were not afraid. And well, they, they wouldn't care much whether the Jewish people liked them or they didn't like them, or whether the Roman citizens liked them, or I mean the Roman people liked them, or whether they don't like them, because they were present with Jesus Christ at that time. But so when Jesus Christ told them that I'm, I'm leaving, Jesus told them that he was about to leave, these guys were sad. That the one they had confidence in was leaving. The one that gave them comfort was leaving. But Jesus Christ told them, it is to your advantage that I leave because I will send the comforter. Now the comforter in the Greek is parakletos. Parakletos means comforter, helper, advocate. The now is a person who helps or enables another person or strengthens. And so the Holy Spirit, he told them that even though I'm leaving, I know the situation. I know what you guys are feeling right now. But I am not leaving you without comfort. I am not leaving you without help. I am not leaving you without an advocate. I am not leaving you guys as orphans. Because I am going to send a helper. I am going to send a comforter. An advocate. Whilst I, am, I was here with you. 
You guys had confidence in me that no matter what happened, I am going to be your advocate. But I'm going to send you another advocate who is going to be like me because he's going to take off me and give to you. And so what Jesus was telling the disciples that the Holy Spirit was going to replace me. The role that I'm playing now, the Holy Spirit is going to replace me. And he's actually a better replacement. So Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go. It is to your benefit. It is going to benefit you even more as I go. Because when I send the helper, he is going to replace me. He's going to be an advocate. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to be the one who strengthens you. He's going to live in you. When Jesus was here, he was just present at a particular place. But now, the Holy Spirit is living in each one of us. In Africa, in Europe, in America, wherever you are, the Holy Spirit can be there with you at the same time. Whereas Jesus Christ, during his earthly ministry, was confined to a specific geographical location at a specific time. When he was ministering, he could minister to a specific people at a specific time. But the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not limited to a geographical location. He can be at every place at the same time and doing great things and ministering to people. He can be ministering to somebody here in America. He could be, he can be ministering to another person in Europe. He could be ministering to another person in Africa at the same time. And that is why Jesus Christ said, it is to your advantage that I go. Because the Holy Spirit was a better replacement for Jesus Christ. Whatever Jesus Christ was doing for the disciples, Whatever ministry that he had at that time, the Holy Spirit is here. And he will be doing that ministry through us. And that is why Jesus Christ says, it is to your advantage that I go. The Holy Spirit was given to us by God to strengthen and enable us. Sometimes some people want to be able to resolve issues in their life before they come to Christ. But the Holy Spirit has been given to help you, to enable you. And so there are things that you'll be dealing with which might keep you away from God and you want to be able to deal with that, those things in your own strength. And so people will say, I am not ready to accept Jesus Christ because there are things happening in my life that I have to deal with. But the Holy Spirit has been given to you to enable you deal with those things, to strengthen you in dealing with those things. So instead of you trying to do, do those things in your own strength, all you have to do is to believe and let the Holy Spirit come inside of you and enable you to do those things. So your only role here is to believe and the Holy Spirit will come. And that will help you. He will be the helper who helps you in dealing with your weaknesses. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is an advocate. An advocate is someone who pleads your cause or supports you. So the Holy Spirit was going to plead our cause and support us. The Holy Spirit was going to cheer us on in doing the things of God, in doing the things that God has assigned us. The Holy Spirit is our number one fan who live inside of us, cheering us on, encouraging us, and giving us the boldness to press on and to do the things that God has called us to do. So the Holy Spirit is going to be your advocate. When Jesus Christ was on earth with the people, with the disciples, he was helping them, he was supporting them, he was encouraging them towards doing good and doing the things of God. Now, the Holy Spirit who resides inside of us is our advocate. Our role is to amplify the voice of the Holy Spirit so that when he is 
cheering us on, encouraging us, teaching us or revealing things to us we can hear. Because whatever voice you amplify in your life, that is where that is the voice you hear. That is the voice that you tune into. It's like frequ- um, radio frequency or a TV. Now you have the remote. You determine which frequency you, you tune into. If you want to watch um, station number one, you tune to station one. If you want to watch Netflix, you move, you, you tune to Netflix or radio frequency will do a better job. If you want to listen to a particular radio station, you change the frequency to that station and then you hear whatever they are discussing. And so the Holy Spirit is talking, but we are not tuning into the frequency of the Holy Spirit. We are not giving our ear to the Holy Spirit. And that is why most of us do not do not hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, even though he is speaking. So he's speaking but we need to tune into that frequency to hear. The Holy Spirit is our advocate on earth. We have Jesus Christ as an advocate in heaven who is before the Father. The Holy Spirit is our advocate here on earth. And he's encouraging us, cheering us on and promoting our cause in God. Whatever thing that God has done for us, he's the one who is cheering us on and advocating for us. He encourages us and strengthens us to prosper in the things that God has assigned us. So he's our strength to be able to accomplish everything that God has assigned us to do. The Holy Spirit is our strength to be able to do those things. So he's the one who strengthens us to do the things that God has assigned us. Number three, the Holy Spirit is God's seal. The Bible says that um, this is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14. It says, In him you have, you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, the word seal here could mean three things. But one thing that it means is that we, God has put an identity on us. God has identified us as his own possession by giving us the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God's seal. That is, if you want to see someone who belongs to God, if you want to see someone who is a child of God, if you want to see somebody who is saved and born again, the person has the Holy Spirit. And that is how God identifies his own. He identifies his own by giving us the Holy Spirit. So every one of us who has the Holy Spirit, one of the reasons we have the Holy Spirit is because it is God's seal. That is what differentiates us from the rest of the world. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit because they do not believe in in God. And they do not even understand him. But those of us who believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, we have received the Holy Spirit as God's seal for us. That is what identifies us as people who belong to God. Now, sometimes you see cars as you're driving. You can see cars on the road and they have, they have a seal on it. Probably they belong to um, a particular institution in, in like... Um, Let's use the police cars, for example. 
they have the town, the name of the town on it, Newington Police. So you know that as soon as you see this car, that black car with Newington Police, the seal on it, you know that belongs to Newington Police. When you see NYPD on a car, you know it belongs to the New York um, Police Department. That is the seal. And so in the realms of the Spirit, we have the seal of God, who is the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, that is God's seal. That is how God identifies you as someone who belongs to him. Amen. Now, the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. The Bible says, when, however, in, in John chapter 16, verse 13, however, when he, the Spirit, has come, he will guide you into all truth. So if you are not being guided by the Holy Spirit, or if you are not receiving guidance from the Holy Spirit, there is something that you have to uncover. You ask yourself, why is it I can't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? And that is where you start from if you want to learn. Why is it I can't identify the voice of the Holy Spirit? Then you begin to search. Then you begin to uncover in the word of God how you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says that he should guide us into all truth. And so if you are not receiving any guidance as a child of God, then you have to ask yourself. It's not, you can't blame God there because we saw in the... Um, in the book of Acts, how he poured out the Spirit. And we've had testimonies about how God leads people and leads his own. So it's not an issue of God not fulfilling his promise. It's an issue of we uncovering something that we do not know, maybe. Or we not making time for fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is supposed to guide us into all truth. When you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit is supposed to give you an understanding of what you are reading. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't read the Bible without asking for, for help from the Holy Spirit to understand the, the Scriptures. Don't try to interpret the Scriptures with your own mind. That's what I'm trying to say. But rely on the, the Holy Spirit to bring you revelation and understanding. It is the effective way of studying the Bible when you rely on the Holy Spirit. Invite him as you're about to read. Ask him to teach you and to show you. Because the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit hears and he speaks. And so speak to him and tell him to help. He's there with you. He will guide you into all truth. Amen. Number five. The Holy Spirit help us to, helps us to bear the fruit of the Spirit. You see, there are certain character traits that the world expects from a Christian. So if you're a Christian, they expect you to have certain character traits. And the Holy Spirit is our helper, the one who helps us to exhibit those character traits. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So the Holy Spirit helps us to bear this fruit. One of the very significant things that happened in all of our lives when we gave our life to Jesus Christ is that our desires changed. There are things that we desire. Even though I will not, I, I, will, I, I would say that sometimes as you're growing up in the Lord, you are sometimes tempted by your old desires. But one significant thing that happened when you gave your life to Jesus Christ is that you had a change of desire. There are things that you used to do that you don't desire to do them anymore. Or the things that you did in the past that you were happy and you celebrated and you were comfortable and you were enjoying could share with all other people. This time when you do those things, you are not comfortable anymore. 
That is one of the workings of the Holy Spirit. A change of desire, a change of heart. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And so now you become conscious of the fact that when there are things that you, when you fall into sin or the works of the flesh, you identify that, no, that is not where I belong. That is not where, that is not what I should be doing. I should be doing the other, the other things instead, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Walking in love, walking in joy. Recently, I was just meditating and thinking that joy is actually a fruit of the Spirit. But there are most people and even Christians who don't have joy. They are happy when things happen. But real joy is continuous and it's constant. It does not depend on your situation. It does not depend on what happens to you or what happens around you. You have joy every time. And it is a fruit of the Spirit that we have to walk in as believers. And I pray that Everyone under the sound of my voice will bear the fruit of the Spirit through the help of the Holy Spirit. Will bear the fruit of joy through the help of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit helps us to bear the fruits of the Spirit. Those character traits that we are supposed to walk in as believers, that we are supposed to demonstrate, that the world is supposed to see in us. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to bear those fruits of the Spirit. Because our, there is no way we can get any help in our flesh, from our flesh, to be able to bear those fruits. No. Our flesh cannot help us in any way. Our minds cannot help us, assist us in any way to bear the fruit of the, those, this fruit of the Spirit. There are people who are not yet saved. They might think that, oh, they, are, they love people because of doing one thing or the other. But is that the love that really comes from the Spirit? Is that the love that aligns with the nature of God? And so there are so many definitions of love right now in the, in the world that we live in. People have um, created their own definition of love. But love is defined from scriptures. Love is not defined by Hollywood. Love is not defined by a good writer who has written a romantic book or anything. Love is defined by the Bible, the Word of God. Because love is the nature of God. And anything outside of the nature of God cannot lay claim on love. Anything outside of the nature of God, anything contrary to the nature of God, cannot be defined as love. And so people make a lot of noise. Let's concentrate on the Holy Spirit. Let's Let's just move. I think I have a few more minutes, but let me just. So love is in the nature of God. And anything contrary to that nature can never be love. Amen. So you cannot live in sin and say that you are loving. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Romans number 6. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought to. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. Sometimes because of the limitation of our minds. Our mind is limited by the things that it can, it can understand. Or even sometimes our needs. We think that we need A at a certain point in time. But God knows that we don't need that A, but we rather need B or C. And so the Holy Spirit, knowing the mind of God, intercedes for us. For the Bible says, we do not know what we have to pray for as we ought to. But the Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us 
groanings which cannot be uttered. So the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Number seven, the Holy Spirit fills up the life of a believer with power. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You see, we have to be conscious of this fact that every believer who has the Holy Spirit has power. The power is not for the, the preachers. It's not only for the prophets or the apostles. It's not only for the evangelists or the teachers. Every child of God has power if you have the presence of the Holy Spirit. Then that's why Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift. You have power that is residing inside of you. But until you stir it up, you will not experience that power. It's like now that the light we have in our homes, the light is connected to the national grid or whatever source of power that the nation or the, um, the, the state uses. And this power has been distributed in some smaller units. And when those that smaller unit is connected to our homes, our home, whatever gadget we have in our homes, also reduces that power into another unit. And so the, you, you have a bulb at home or you have a light at home or a lamp at home. But until you turn on the switch, the power is still sitting there. It is not being used. It does not mean there's no power. So if you touch the naked wire, then you identify that there is power. You understand that there is power in it. So even though you've not turned on the lamp yet, it does not mean there's no power in it. So as a child of God, even though you have not stirred up the power in you, it does not mean there's no power. There is power lying inside of you. But you need to stir it up. You need to turn it on. You need to use and demonstrate that power. So every believer who has the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Greek word power there is dunamis. Dunamis is mighty power, force. It's miraculous power sitting inside of every one of us. Every one of us has the potential to walk in this miraculous power, to manifest this power. But if you don't turn on the switch, if you don't stir it up, you will not experience the power. So every child of God, you have the power of God sitting inside of you. Like the example of the, the, the power, the national grid that we are all connected to. We have connected this national grid to our homes, but until we turn it on, we, don't, we do not enjoy the benefits of the power that we are connected to. So the Holy Spirit fills our life with a miracle working power. And this is going to be my last slide for today. The Bible says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Spirit be with us all. God has demonstrated His love. The Bible says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. In Romans chapter 5 verse 8, the Bible says, God demonstrated his love to us when he gave us Jesus Christ to die on the cross. And so the scripture says what we normally call the grace. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4, the Bible says, the grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of God. God demonstrated his love. The ultimate demonstration of the love of God is the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. God demonstrated his love to us. Jesus Christ brought grace instead of the law. And so the Bible says in Romans chapter, sorry, in John chapter 1, verse 14, 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus Christ demonstrated grace. He brought grace to us here on earth. The current dispensation is the dispensation where we have to be in fellowship, in communion with the Holy Spirit. The word communion or fellowship in the Greek is koinonia. That is partnership or participation or social intercourse. Now, social intercourse is it's an old English statement or word, which means that you are in communication. It's, it's a communication between two people as they spend time together. It's coming. So the communion of the Holy Spirit is communication between us and the Holy Spirit as we spend time with the Holy Spirit. Most of us spend time. Most of us don't spend time with the Holy Spirit. He is with us. But we need to get into the practice of spending time. In our 24-hour day, we need to set some time aside and spend time with the Holy Spirit. Tune out the noise from your mind. And this happens or this can happen through practice. Because anytime you sit down quietly, there will be things that will be going through your mind. There things that will be happening or things that your mind will want you to do. You have to be able to tune down that voice of your mind and have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And this comes through you making time to have that communion so we are in the dispensation where we have and we have received the love of god we enjoy the grace that jesus christ has made available we have to practice the communion the fellowship the koinonia with the holy spirit because we are in this dispensation where we have the person of the holy spirit with us and we need to get into that social intercourse with the Holy Spirit. Where we communicate with the Holy Spirit. We talk to the Holy Spirit. And it comes through us making time to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. When we spend time with the Holy Spirit and we practice having fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It gets to a time where we can even hear Him in the midst of all the noise. But until we have practiced communion having communion with him and listening and having fellowship with him we cannot hear his voice in the midst of the noise because we have not practiced practice listening to his voice in silence in quietness there's no way we can we are able to identify his voice in the midst of the noise until we start practicing hearing him in silence Sometimes God breaks through and comes through to us and we are able to identify and hear his voice by his mercy. God is not limited. And that is why I personally don't believe, not that I don't believe in principles, but I don't want us to limit ourselves to principles because God is sovereign, he's merciful, he's gracious. He can break through at any time and reach out to us without any form of practice. But if we get us get ourselves disciplined, it is also very important and useful to us that we get some discipline of having communion, 
having the participation of the Holy Spirit. Talk to the Holy Spirit on, in, on a daily basis. As you go about your regular life, talk to the Holy Spirit. Speak to Him. Talk to Him about anything. Anything at all. Just have that communion with Him. Be conscious of the fact that He is with you. He's not only with you when you're about to pray or when you fold your or when you put your um, your hands together and you point it towards heaven. That's not the only time the Holy Spirit is with you. But He's with you every day. So practice that. Talk to Him. Have communion with Him. Let Him be part of your life on a daily basis because the Holy Spirit is a person who has a will, who has emotions, who can be grieved, who can be saddened. And therefore, we have to. We are in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit where we need to practice the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We are going to end here for our part one of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We are going to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit as a topic the power of the Holy Spirit um, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about other things about the Holy Spirit as God leads. So this is just the introduction on the topic uh, Holy Spirit. Um, God bless you. And shall we pray? Father, in Jesus' name, we give you praise. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to have fellowship and to share your word. We pray in Jesus' name that as we are becoming conscious of the presence of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit, we pray, Lord, that you give us the grace to be disciplined in practicing our communion with the Holy Spirit and practicing having fellowship with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you. Um, thank you for joining. Um,